There we go. Up and running. Right. Hey guys, welcome to Dragon's Voice Podcast. And I cannot believe um, already on the eighth episode, um, my dad will be doing backflips right now and he'd be calling me a legend, even though I am his son. But uh, <laughs> but um, growing up, um, before I even knew Barrytown, before I even knew anything, uh, it was always Everton. It was always Everton. In, in my perspective, and it was nothing else. And I grew up watching the likes of Duncan Ferguson, Tim Kale, Thomas Gravison, all them legends. But my dad grew up watching Neville Southall, Pat Van Den Aal, Graham Sharp, and this man, Mr. Kevin Ratcliffe, the captain of all captains of Wales and Everton. How's it going, sir? I'm all right, Reese. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, yeah, I know. How are you coping anyway? Right, good, yeah, yeah. Um, I was... Uh... I think we got back from Spain about six weeks ago now. And, oh, uh, we, were in, we were in lockdown there. So we were stuck in Spain for 10 weeks. So we we're only supposed to be there for 12 days. And, you know, you're still there after 10 weeks, which wasn't, which is all right, to be fair, because we were only doing what we were going to be doing here anyway. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Uh, <laughs> but it was, a little bit, it was a little bit stricter there. So it was a bit weird coming back here. With yeah, was, the uh, restrictions not as strict as it was in Spain. I mean, fines over there were ridiculous. If you were caught, we couldn't even go out for a walk. If you caught out walking, minimum fine was six hundred euros. Six hundred euros. Yeah, I, I think we should have taken a little bit of a, a leaf out of their book because oh, yeah. six hundred. You know, I, I was listening to a story the other day where a policeman said he's actually fined somebody sixty quid for coming into Wales from Birmingham. Because he's like he's nearly two hours away from home. Yeah, and it was, it was obviously he was going to the beach or something. And he said, "I find him a hundred pounds if he pays it within two weeks. It's fifty quid, whatever it was. It was half of it, you know." Yeah, he says, he's "Driving around in an eighty grand car." <laughs> you know, as, if, as if that amount of money's not gonna, yeah. you know, it's not gonna hurt him. So I, I think, yeah, we we've been very very lax about it, yeah. and it's no wonder that we've got the, that many deaths. You know, if you can think in the week that's prior to before we shut down, when most of the countries in Europe had already shut down, especially in uh, in Spain, um, I think it, I think it was around about the eighth, something. I know the twelfth. We were there the twelfth. So 8th, 12th, it was about the 12th of May, yeah, 12th of March that they shut down there. I don't think it was till maybe the 18th or the week after that restrictions started happening in Britain. Yeah, it was in um, the last, yeah, it was in the last couple, yeah. a week or two in, in March and, that they were starting to clamp down. The week, the week, the week that we, uh, in Spain, I'm saying we, when we were in Spain, it shut down. But um, Liverpool v Atletico Madrid, we had... Um, Cheltenham races we had the Stereophonics playing in Cardiff and we had a badminton world championship badminton tournament in um, in Birmingham now come on yeah <laughs> he's telling me that you know that that's not made the virus even more dominant yeah um, really 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 strange behavior from uh, whoever's sort of advising the government on what to do and what not to do uh, do you know what it's this is why um th- this is why I do these podcasts is because I want to break away from all this politics and nonsense, you know, because it's, it's a, it's very unhealthy for people, you know, just to be listened to it because it causes arguments and it's, it's unnecessary. I think. Yeah. Po- well, there's no football to argue about. Oh, no, I know. I know. It's just, it's like, Oh, I've got no 
football to argue with. It's just like yeah. I got no none of my mates, you know. And yeah. it, it it could be very depressing, but that's the whole point of, with this podcast, uh, Kev, is just to get people back in, you know, just to feel you know that football spirit again. And it certainly got mine yeah. back, you know, after the few episodes. So this is why um, I'm I'm so blessed that you're coming on the show because I mean. I've, I've, I, I, don't, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I, I've said to a couple of my mates, I was like, I think this is the biggest guest I've got on. And he was like, well, not a doubt. Just do it. Just do it, you know? And, you know, yeah. and it's, it's the worrying thought process. Hopefully you get a few more then. Oh, yeah, hopefully. The, the one person I really want to get is he speaks his mind and I don't care. He makes me laugh. is big Nev himself. Neville Southall. Yeah. And, I, yeah. you know, I'd love well, to... Unless, un, unless you're on about... Uh gay rights and everything like that you're not going to get him <laughs> he <wasn't laughs> yeah. football. no uh, he hates it I, I remember but it's what a guy you know what a guy he is because i met him yeah. twice i met him twice it was um the first time i met him he just published a book his own autobiography and it was uh, chronicles I think it was, of the binman yeah chronicles of the binman and he yeah. and he was in waterstones doing a book signing i think it was the same day it was wells Street, belgium for the, I think right. it was, the was it the euros or the world cup qualifier either either one um and he, he was sat there on his own and I called and I was in sixth form at the time. So I was uh, just 16 or 17 years old mm. and I called up my dad and, um, and I said, Oh, I'm going to meet Neville Salto. Do you want to come? And it was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Now I've met a lot of footballers, you know, here and there. So I'm a bit mm. comfortable, but for my dad, you know, it was like seeing a God's been there before. He was like, and yeah. he was just, I mean, he's a happy go lucky Jack the lad, you know, he's always up for a conversation. He just froze. As soon Did as, he? Uh, yeah. And he just, he just couldn't believe it, you know, and so I started picking up the conversation and we just chatted for nearly two hours yeah. on end. And yeah. then the second time, it was like a Comic-Con convention in Cardiff. And um, they had this football uh, section. And it was Nev, Terry Yoroth, Leighton James, uh, John Hartson and Alan Curtis. Yeah. And so I went up to Neville again and he said, mate, pull up a seat. Let's have a chat. I ain't busy. Oh, and right. and uh, fair play to him. He, he, we just mm. hit it off and it was brilliant. It's just that... Very humble, loving guy, you know, could yeah. talk about anything, could talk for Wales. Yeah. Well, fair play to him. <laughs> well, he, he's, uh, I think he's a little bit more relaxed now talking to people than he he used to be, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I got on great with Neff. He's brilliant, brilliant. Do you know what? One of... like, you, like you say, you know, you've yeah. you've mentioned some great players there. But there's only one world-class player in, out among them, what you've just said. Yeah, oh. Which world and class he was world class. But yeah. you know what? He, he was world class. He was, yeah. you know, I've, you, you know, you, there's a lot of people, and I wouldn't say a lot of people. I would say the majority of footballers don't play with world class players. Uh, and I was lucky to play with a couple, um, you know, off the top of my head, you know, Neville being up there, Ian Rush, uh, and Ryan Giggs, um, you know, players that have been world class players, you know, would get mm. in most international teams. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. One of the questions I've got on my sheet here, and I, I just came prepared, and um, one of the questions was, and it's all to do with Wales, you know, um, because you've, you've played in the 80s and the early 90s, and you had players such as, I mean, I've already named, you know, uh, Alan Curtis, Neville Southall, mm. uh, I'll mention Pat, you know, Pat Van Den Howe, um, yeah. you know, Ryan Giggs, um, Mark Hughes, Ian Rush, you know, all these players, and it's astonishing to me that for the likes of you captain wales and everything and so it's like how did this squad from the 80s to the early 90s did not get far was it just because 
You know, um, look at the bench. Yeah, oh, you know. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, 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 you mentioned our strongest side in them days. Yeah. And uh, it's after that that you start sort of plucking around and thinking, you know, we never really had a player to come off the bench and change the game. Okay. Um, you know, we never had a, 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 somebody in the, in the team that would actually change a game in the fact that, like, a, a, you know, a Gareth Bale. Mm. Or a, or a Aaron Ramsey, we were more of a team. But if we started losing, you know, one or two players, then we were down to you know square pegs in round holes. I don't. Did you watch the Brazil game the other week? Uh, what on match of the day? Well, the on BBC yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I caught that. Mark and... Penbridge played right wing back. He's oh, yeah. so he's so, and it was his first cap, and he was so prominent on his left foot, and he had a great game. You know, um, but the, you know that's what we had to do: square pegs in round holes. Sometimes, um, Dave Phillips, who was a midfield player, played quite a few times at, at right back or right wing back. Clayton Blackmore, who's a midfield player, played right back, right wing back. Uh, we had Paul Bowden in on the left wing back side, but we also had Mark Bowen, who was playing for Norwich. <laughs> Paul Bowden used to get in in front of him uh, to play because mainly he played in a you know, a, a five at the back type of thing. Um, so it was when you got down to the nitty gritty bits of it that when you started losing players from suspension or un, unfit to play, then the players that were coming in, and, you know, obviously Swansea and Cardiff and Wrexham fans don't take this the wrong way, but when you're pick, picking people from them sides who were not in the Premiership, not in the Championship, mm. in the lower leagues... And you know that you know they're coming in, and sometimes, you know, some of the lads will come in and they'll have great games, and they'll they'll not feel intimidated by the likes of maybe myself and Ian Rush and Mark Hughes and Neville. Um, but some people can't handle that. Do you know, you know people, yeah, with top players, and then uh, you know, and we we did we did we had one or two of them, and one or two of them you know couldn't cut it, and. Uh, there was others that did and excelled a little bit in the way uh, that they played. You know, it's like, if you look back on it, it's like um, the two, if you had to look at the 2016 Euros, right? you look at players such as your Ramsey's, your Bales, you know, and um, Joe Allen's and I, then you look at Sam Vokes and Harvard's and Canu, and it's just a mixture of Premier League or La Liga superstars, if you want to say that. And then you've got your championship or League One, if not League I think the Two. Big, the big thing for them was that they grew up together. Right. You know, coming through. So it was still Gareth Bale. It wasn't Gareth Bale who played for Real Madrid. It was Gareth Bale. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not superstar Bale. It's a, I think this yeah. is where people need to realise this, including myself, because you can't yeah. think of Bale as the superstar. You've got to think that these players have grown up together, like you said, in, throughout the rankings. I mean, you have to look at the under-21 matches prior to their senior careers. Well, look at Chris Gunter. Obviously, he got a move to Tottenham. Uh, but he, he was playing for Reading. And how comfortable he was. And I think he roomed with somebody like uh, Aaron Ramsey, I think, didn't he? Yeah, so, someone like that. I mean, so it's, it, uh, and that's what we tried to build our team on mm. uh, in the 80s and early 90s with his team spirit and being like a club. And that's the first time I've seen a Welsh side since ours that was based on that. You know, the team spirit was fantastic. Um, the, the togetherness with the lads was was unbelievable, but I think they were fortunate in one way as well that 
you know, there's that many players playing at the top level. <laughs> and that, that's why I keep saying, you know, it's okay for these young kids to be coming through and uh, excelling and playing above the, the station, really, and the level that they're playing at. The one thing they've got to do is play for the clubs that they're originated from you know the you yeah. know your harry ramsey uh, sorry harry wilson's of the of the world have have got to be playing and they you know going to bournemouth is most probably helped his chances of actually playing you know in the first team for for wales um and and that's what they've got to do you know that uh it's no good being in the a, a premiership club and not getting games you know this nico williams for liverpool he's a fantastic player oh he's phenomenal you know, phenomenal. if you think what he's got, he's got to have games. Mm. You know, otherwise, does he look get looked over? Um, and it's happened to everybody. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not just picking on uh, Nico Williams, myself included. I think I played more international games than I had played appearances, had appearances for Everton at one stage. So, you know, I think I had six appearances for Wales and something like four for, for Everton. So, <laughs> you know, when you're at a club like... Everton and Liverpool and Man United and things like that, uh, teams like that, then, you know, so it's hard to get, but you've got to be starting to play first team football to be considered to be an international player, I feel. You know, you can't be playing. It's yeah. a massive step up from from club level, but to do it from lower league level into uh, club level, it's, sorry, to international level, it's even harder. Yeah, but um, let's get down to it then, because, you know, with with you playing senior level, I mean, I don't know how many games you've played for Everton. It's like over 400 appearances, and, you know, you've captained for Everton, and, you know, you're in the youth for Everton. But um, I, I remember, you know, my, my, me and my dad were on the phone the other day, and he was telling me these brief facts and everything, and, um, and he, he just popped one out where, and excuse the, my language people, but um, it was something to do with, you know, how much Howard Kendall, how much faith he had in you, and he told Bobby Robson, who was Ipswich manager at the time, to tell him to fuck off, really. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because well, he had so much faith in you. But, I mean, your time with Everton is phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Well, he, 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 it didn't seem that way at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was slow you know, I was process. Banging, I, I was banging on the door. I'd asked for the transfer because I wasn't getting the opportunities. And it was only when I did get the opportunity that I, I put in performances that he decided that, you know, I wasn't... Um, you know, I, I wasn't going to be sold or I wasn't going to be had by a, another club. Uh, but, you know, I had to fight really hard for that. I, I, I didn't convince Howard overnight. Um, I had to convince him over a number, about a season or so, uh, that I was the man. I was being overlooked because the, the big problem I had was uh, the, the centre-half that he wanted me to pair up was, was left-footed the same as me. And for some unknown reason, he didn't like two left-footers playing at centre-back, although he'd prefer a right-back, right-footed player playing left-back, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, yeah, I get um, you. In Pat Van Den Howe, which he chose in the end. But he, he did, just didn't, for some reason, it just you know, wasn't a done thing. to have. It's very rare that you've seen a left-footed centre-back anyway, but to have two at your club um, and both fighting for that one place, really, he thought that was up for grabs. And that, at my partner then was Mark Higgins um, and he was a, he was a great player so obviously I was up against whoever was you know the the right footer to try and get in and then convince the manager that I was good enough to play but I was lucky enough in one way that the one person that did have faith in me and thought I was decent enough for, for Wales was Mike England oh yeah you know, Mike the way, yeah the way, the way he picked you know he picked me uh, and still kept picking me to not play but to be in the squad 
even though I wasn't playing first team football for Everton. So obviously, I think he's seen something in me that, you know, that uh, obviously, you know, one of the reasons maybe he gave me the captaincy job when I was 23. So with that in mind, you know, I mean, being captain and you know, captain of Everton who go on to win the league, European Cup winners' cup, the FA Cup, you know, and uh, I watched uh, Howard Sway the other week. Um, before I got in contact with you, before I had the idea of bringing you, Did you on, like it? I, do you know what? I, I, me and my dad were both in tears, you know, because yeah. it, because it was just, you know, looking it's at well everything together, isn't it? Yeah, it's so well done yeah. and it's so brilliant. I mean, I, I just watched it and my dad was trying to say, I'm not being biased, but that's one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen because it was well put together, well done and everything. And mm. I just, but I was crying for a different reason. It's like, why can't my Everton be like your Everton, you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like, why can't we I win? Think, I, I think it was all down to the music as well that was played. Oh yeah. And it, yeah. <laughs> it was all 80s music, which is, you know, what I, you know, I was brought up with. And, you know, you don't realise how big of an influence football and music in the 80s was so important to Liverpool. And I think the, the country as well. Because, you, you know, people don't realise it was a bit of a depression. There was fo football hooliganism. There was the riots in Toxteth and, you know, other places in London and everywhere. And it was, you know, I think unemployment, I think the miners' strike and things like that. Um, and it was everybody's release, everybody's mm. joy, the music that was coming about. There wasn't a lot of money. Um, I think taxes were, I mean, we were, we were paying 60% tax. You know, mortgage was like 14 and a half percent on a mortgage. So, you know, they weren't great days. And, you know, hence we never got any help from the government. And more evident than that was in, uh, you know, 85, when we got banned from Europe, the government just didn't want us in there. They didn't even fight our cause. No. So we were just an extra hindrance to the government, I think. Do you think, um, the, it, it was mentioned in Howard's Way documentary, and I don't want to sound controversial to anyone who supports Liverpool or anything like that, but it was just, from my perspective and from what I've heard from other Everton supporters, the finger has always been point blamed at Liverpool, saying it was their fault that Everton did not have that European success or experience the following season. And it's yeah. not just for, for Everton, it could have been, you know, I mean, Wimbledon, who go on to win the, uh, the FA Cup in, what, 88? I mean, ironically, against Liverpool, um, you know... So they don't, get, they don't get to play in the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, so, I mean... But do you think it, it is because of Liverpool that no other clubs who've gone on to... who could have qualified for Europe, especially well, with Everton? You know, if you have a look at the players that moved um, to clubs that you wouldn't normally join at 25, 26... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm talking about Rangers here in Scotland. Oh yeah, Rangers. And so they were taking, uh, I would say, players that were coming to the end of their careers. Your Graham Robertses, uh, your Terry Butchers. But all of a sudden, they were looking at lads who weren't going to play in Europe, but they could do in Scotland, like Gary Stevens and Trevor Stevens, who were maybe in their twenty uh, mid twenties at the, you know, top of their career really, and we lost two of them players. Just like that, um, you know, it, it seemed to happen overnight. Uh, I, I don't think we ever replaced them two. You know, two England internationals. I think they've nearly got a hundred caps between them. 
you know, I'm sure it'd be in the 70s anyway between them. But uh, they were they were top class players, and they left to go and play European football. The manager left to go and play European football and test himself a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, you know, Liverpool. I think I think the big thing for Everton, it Everton only is are that when the ban did get lifted, that uh, UEFA never they never invited us in. No, they never invited us back in. Um, and I, I think that's a big gripe, but a big gripe of mine mm. is that we never got invited back in. Although that maybe I was a little bit past it then. Maybe I, I wasn't the same player as I was three or four years ago prior but, to that. Yeah, but talking about European football, let, let's, let's talk about that European Cup Winners' Cup, you know, in the 84-85, you know. Um, uh, a lot of people talk about the Bayern Munich semi-final, mm. but not the final itself, which I find absolutely incredible. Because well, it, was a final, it was a final in itself. Yeah, because it's right. like, um, I, I mean, I play a lot of football games, you know, like FIFA and everything. And they always say, it's like on the commentary, uh, commentator, mm. and they say, they don't talk about the semi-final. And I'm thinking, well, Everton <laughs> like to talk about Bayern Munich in 85, yeah. you know. But um, I, I think it was everything around it, the, the atmosphere in the ground, which I've never played in an atmosphere like that. It's talked about not just through players, uh, but... You know, it, with fans as well, that everybody was there. It was it's a Max Boyce thing. I was there, yeah. type of thing. Oh. Um, well, I was a little bit more than I was there. I was <laughs> participating. <laughs> uh, I think just the whole thing around it. You wouldn't believe that. You know, um, a journey from the town centre would literally take you fifteen to twenty minutes to get to the ground with the traffic lights at on a match day at night. An hour and a half. Oh, we couldn't no. get in. We couldn't get in the ground um, <laughs> because it, it was uh, it wasn't all ticket. It was pay at the turnstile, um, and the way that we go into the ground is so that you go round the ground and come back, so that when the doors open, you, you the doors really lead you straight into the players' entrance, rather than coming the other way. And you've got to get out of the bus and go round the bus to get into the players' entrance. You just couldn't. The, the amount of fans, the the bus was rocking. Absolutely rocking. <laughs> I can um, I can tell I can imagine that as well. And it, it was so to have that experience to actually before you actually go out and play the game. So we we get by the time we get changed, um we've only got about twenty-five minutes before the match starts because we didn't get in till about forty-five minutes before the game started. So usually we're there an hour and a half before the game starts, and we're there forty-five. Um and it was it was just you know, you get that feeling you can't lose. No, um, yeah. You know, you, you have got that 12th man with you uh, on the pitch. It, the, the atmosphere was like... The only way I can say about the, the atmosphere is it, for the amount of people that are in there and considering what was happening in them, it wasn't toxic. It was, you know, just a willingness for you to go and win. But when we conceded to go 1-0 down, there was an earthly silence in the ground that you would like think somebody's died here. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, it was, it was really strange, but the way they got behind us from the start of the second half um, was, was just unbelievable. So, you know, the, 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 the fans played their part on that day. There's no doubt about it. I don't think if that game was played this weekend behind closed doors with no. nobody in there, that, that would have been the same result. You, you think well, you think it, if it was just no fans at all, and if it was Everton v Bayern Munich, right? Same players, you know, likes of yourself and everything, yeah. it would be the same results. No, 
I don't think it'd be the same result. Man, you know, you uh, yeah, have to look about that. That's the biggest, the biggest thing that you've got, to, especially at Goodison Park. Mm. Uh, and I've said this many a time that when you go out at Everton in front of a packed house, you are going out as a gladiator into an arena. And it is an unbelievable feeling to go out there. And at, at night, you know, and when I played, you know, 492 games for Everton, I love playing at night because I never, I never felt tired. I, I felt as if I could go on and on and on. And I don't know if other players have actually felt that, but I certainly felt that I could run, you know, to the moon and back. You know, that, uh, and I wasn't a great long-distance runner, believe me. <laughs> you know, there's something magical about night games, you know, on a Tuesdays, Wednesdays or Friday nights. It's like... Um... The, the old game, the, the old arena, you look at you know, the old Ninian Park. It, oh, you know, to play at night was fantastic. But in the daytime, it was quite desolate at times. Mm. You know, it had to be a, a very special game. Um, you know, if you think about the best games that have been at Indian Park, they've most probably been uh, at night games. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to listen. I mean, it's it's um, the, the Cardiff and Leeds game back in the early 2000s. Oh, when, I was there. I mean, my dad was there as well. I mean, I mean, come on, you, you know, the, 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 that game. The, the, the one thing with them is, Reese, is them games. And I said this leading up to the game because I was working for BBC Wales. And I said leading to the game, and I was doing an interview for Radio Leeds with Norman Hunter, and he said, it shouldn't be a problem. They've played in bigger games than this, in Europe. You know, because they'd just been into Europe, hadn't they, with um, David O'Leary and, and the lad Smith was playing up front for them and everything. And I said, you've played in Europe, right, in atmospheres like this. I bet you've never played a game in England or Wales, in the UK, with an atmosphere like this, because this will be an angry atmosphere. This will not be a placid one. They played the part. Like I say, once again, it's another game I've been to where the fans have actually played their parts. You have to look at Ninian Park, right? And I was going to jump on to um, your time at Cardiff City anyway, even though it was a short spell and everything. But um, mm -hmm. when you signed for Cardiff City, and that was in the 92-93 season, I mean, you have to look. Yeah. It's like going back on the squads and going back on the crowds then, you know. It's like... Um, you, you look back and you add Robbie James, Nathan mm -hmm. Blake, Chris Pike, um, Damon Sir, who I know, good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, some of these players, and including like yourself, it's like leading the way is Eddie May. What a squad. I'm looking at this. Yeah, but, uh, do you what know what? Squad. It, it was. You know, you had uh, Nick Richardson on the right. You had uh, the lad Ramsey in, in midfield with Robbie James. Or uh, Paul... Oh, what's his name? The lad from Ireland. Oh, I... I... Paul... Oh, you'll kill me for not knowing his name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to quickly look at that. I'm going to quickly yeah. look at him now. Yeah. It's... it's now. The... He was a lunatic. It's your fault, that is. That is your fault. Yeah. You got me on the verge of... <laughs> what do you what... think Nathan, Nathan Blake was just a young kid then? You know, yeah. he, he, you know... Um, uh, Cohen Griffiths, what a player Cohen was! Oh, do you know what Cohen? Best, best Cardiff and best Barry player ever. Yeah, One Cohen Griffiths. Um, I think Carl Dale was injured most of that season. So, so Chris Pike. What, what was the um, name you said then? Paul, Paul Miller. Is it Paul Miller? Paul Miller. Paul yeah. Miller. Windy. 
Wendy <laughs> Miller, yeah. What's our I, 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 re- I actually live with Neil Ramsey, the right back, who was quite unfortunate. He got a bad injury um, and missed the back end of the season. But you know what? He, he could have been a really good player, I felt. You know what? Just looking at the squad now, my God. I mean, you and Robbie... Uh, Robbie James, you know, you didn't, you only lasted the season, but just I'm, I'm looking at the squad, I'm thinking, that is, did you, yeah. do you, um, what happened? Did you, how come it was only a short spell with Cardiff then? What, what? Uh, I think it was down to them. I, 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 it was a, I was a bit critical at the end because um, when we won the league, uh, you know, we, we bought, brought in Phil Stant, who was a top goal scorer. Yeah. I think he got there just before me, about three or four weeks before me. Um, and it, 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 look, I've never known a player to celebrate as much for scoring a goal in training. Uh, <laughs> and and that, that's what he was like. You know, he's trying to dive to get penalties in training and things like that. And ask to um, Robbie James, Paul Ramsey, um, Nick Richardson. Uh, we were strong. We were very, very strong. And you know when you get a feeling and there's a bit of togetherness with the players again. So that helps. Yeah. Uh, you think about the players that went on, you know, the lad Ward in goal uh, went on and, and, and had a decent career at Bolton. Um, what about Mark Grew? Grew, he got dropped for, like, the, for Wardy. Uh, and he was an up-and-coming keeper. Um, and he, he got a move to Bolton, I think. I think Mark Grew left at the end of the season. Um, yeah, because he wasn't that long, wasn't he? No, he was. He left in ninety. I'm looking at it now. He, he joined in ninety two, then he yeah. left in ninety four. Yeah. But when he he played, did you play against Man City? Was you in the cup round then, or was you? No, no. No, was it no. right? Because I was third round. No, that was in ninety two. Because yeah. you signed probably later on, didn't you, or something like that? I signed New Year. New Year, 90, yeah. Would it be ninety three? No, it was ninety two. It says on it. it says, why does it say ninety two? I think it was ninety three. The start of ninety three right. in January. Fair enough. I uh, don't know why he's saying ninety two there. It's like I'm looking at other research and other facts. I think that was that was the season ninety two ninety three. Yeah, they keep saying that, and I'm trying to look at because ninety three. If you remember, in ninety three we played uh, Standard Liège in the yeah cup when it's cup in um, ninety three. So that'd be ninety three ninety four yeah. season. But you were the, uh, I, yeah. I actually left um, after the standard Liège game. When, is that when you won the... Uh, wait, was, you, was you a Welsh Cup winner as well? Yeah, because... Uh... Uh, yeah, but I didn't play in that game because I was injured. I got a knee injury against, um, I think it was Shrewsbury towards the end of the season. It seems mad, though. If you look at the Welsh Cup, you've got a lot of English clubs on it. It's like Hereford, Shrewsbury, Kidderminster, you know, and all them lads. It's mad to think how they were allowed to come into the... Um, into the yeah. Welsh Cup and everything. I think, I think we played real in the final. There was loads of... I bet you it was one of the biggest gates that the uh, Welsh Cup's had. It was. In, in one of the top... Yeah. And it was like... Um, in Another one as well. Yeah. It was it, it was Cardiff City in 94 when Barry played against them. And that was a, and that was a big final itself because you had uh, that, that moment of um, Welsh clubs being... Um, how can I say it? Uh, resistant to going into the Welsh League. And yeah. you know, and it was courtesy yes. of the English league and Barry of the Welsh league, and it was a big clash. And it was just, I mean, I don't want to sound like a, a bias because I am a Barry Town supporter, you know, yeah. first. And um, and it is said to be one of the best Welsh Cup finals going. Right. But yeah. uh, it's just looking, and it's mad to think of your career, you know. Um, well, if if I said at the end of that season, 
that when we won the league, and I thought if the club spent between 200,000 and 400,000 on players, then they've got a chance of maybe going up again the following year. Yeah. Uh, and it's, instead of that, they were quite happy to see players go. How can you get rid of a squad like that, though? I mean, if I was... If it I was, was a, Rick Wrong. I know. Uh, not Rick Wright. Rick Wrong. <laughs> it's, I'm just uh, looking at it. It's like, oh, what yeah. a squad. I mean, yeah. you, you couldn't write it down. And for Cardiff, that's just a gold mine, you know? And, yeah. but, well, it wasn't, it, it wasn't taken upon to actually make it better, you know? Mm. You know, that you could have easily have kept the same back four the following year. Um, but I, I don't know if it was Eddie May's decision or if it was maybe Rick Wright, the chairman's decision, you know, not to have certain players there um, and go down a different route. It was, you know, as a player, it, it was one of my biggest disappointments. As in, you can see something or what it could be and then what it turned out to be. Do you regret? You know, so. Yeah. Do you regret not staying longer at Cardiff, or do you think? Oh, well, that wasn't my decision. No. Yeah, you know not. that my decision was taken out of my hands because the the manager all of a sudden, um, seeing other players, maybe, you know, to to make for me to make way for them to come through. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to. Is it Bradley? Badly, Lee Bad Bradley. Yeah. Badly. Uh, Lee I Badley. Think yeah. Yeah, Lee, so Lee, Lee was a young, yeah, Lee was a young kid coming through. But I think he left the year after and signed for somewhere like Exeter. Yeah, he got it right. Bang on. He was in. He was there for about roughly seven, seven years or seven seasons, whatever you want to put it, six or seven, and then he went to Exeter. Then. Yeah, but I think when you say seasons, I think it, that was from the age of twelve. Because I think he was only a young kid coming through. Yeah, well, he was. You know, I mean, Jason Perry was already there. I mean, I don't know what Peser is now or what he was then, but he'd be in his 20s, you know. Um, so, you know, you've got a, you've, you've got the youngster coming through that is skipper of the side. And I, I think it's so important when you've got, a, you know, a club like that, you have a local kid coming through, you know, like your Scott Youngs has come through and being yeah. a big part of the squad. And I think that's what Jason was. Uh, but, but Eddie was... Um, I think Eddie was fortunate that he had good players. Very because fortunate. Because I, 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 I don't think the training was brilliant. Um, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't good at all. Um, but, you know, he, he bought good players. You know, he brought them in if he got them for nothing or he paid a little bit of money for them. Uh, and he got them in. You know, I, I think um, Paul Ramsey was a, a great player, great signing for him. I don't know how long he'd been there. Got him from Leicester. Uh, and he he was a captain, um, and he was one of them guys. He, he was a rat. He'd get at you and get about, and he was a leader. Um, and then obviously he brought Robbie James in, who for me was one of the most underrated internationals I've ever played with. Um, and then when you've got the likes of Nathan Blake coming through, Jason Perry, um, Damon Searle, the lad Ward in goal, uh, the lad um, and the fullback that I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, there had a good nucleus of youngsters coming through with the more experienced player. I think he brought in a lad from Man City, uh, Derek Brazil. I think he played for Barry, didn't he? Uh, Derek Brazil, I don't think he did, but he, did he? Um, he, but he, um, he came from Man United. That's right, yeah. yeah. But he got injured, and I think that's one of the reasons I come in. 
is because Derek was a centre-half as well as a midfield player. And they brought me in to actually cover for him, you know, for while he was getting fit again. I think I've uh, got a, one or two final questions here for you then, Mr. Ratcliffe or Sir Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, um, <laughs> but um, you got any, uh, my dad, uh, this is a special request, uh, my dad, Dennis Deans, uh, you got any funny stories uh, to tell about your time at Everton? Well, I've got many that I can, uh, I've got, uh, I can tell, but I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we, we, you know, when you're when you're with a successful side, then the one thing that you have is team spirit, and uh, that's the one thing that we had. So the pranks that we used to get up to, um, traveling together, you know, if it be by, uh, well, we didn't really train, uh, sort of travel by train in them days, but if we were playing in Europe, obviously by plane, but mainly by bus from one end of the country to the other. You wouldn't be travelling by plane. No. You know, if you're playing Southampton or Norwich, then uh, you'd, you'd be on a on a bus. And the pranks and everything that used to go on on the bus is, is just unbelievable. Because, you know, there were still traffic jams. And everybody used to travel on the bus. You'd have about two or three subs. Uh, and the doctor would travel as well. And the doctor was so much fun. But we used to play so many pranks on him. It was, uh, yeah, we used to nick his shoes and put them on a lorry going past. <laughs> you know, in a traffic jam. And the next minute he'd be running down the hard shoulder trying to catch the lorry or trying to catch the bus up because <laughs> we'd always say in the lorry. So there was all sorts going on, you know, that, uh, that you, you can't really sort of tell certain stuff, like I say. Final question here for you then, uh, Kev. Um, how do you sum up your career then? I, um, I, I would say I was quite fortunate in one way. Uh, um, there's not many people that uh, they can actually say that they played for the club that they supported. Um, and I not only did that, I captained them and won things with them, which was not on the agenda. <laughs> um, so that is an added bonus. And that's the same going for Wales. There's two things I always wanted to do, and that was play for Wales and play for Everton. And I did them both. But never in my life did I dream of captaining any of them. So that was just an added bonus for me. And you know what? I'm going to happily conclude this one by saying that every person I've spoken to, every Wales fan, they've always been happy to say, they've always been happy to say that when they name their all-time Wales eleven, you will always be on that squad <laughs> as a left back, as a centre back. Yeah. Oh, don't put there. me a left back! Don't put me a left back! You wouldn't <laughs> want me again. No. No, it's, it's amazing that, isn't it? Because I had to select my team uh, the other day uh, for BBC and. Uh, I, I'm very adamant that I don't think you can pick players that you haven't seen. Yeah. So, you know, if you're talking to a 20, 20 30 year old kid, he's not going to really have seen me play. So he can't really choose me. Um, like, I can't choose John Charles because I've never seen John Charles, Cliffy Jones, uh, Meredith play a game of football. Um, so, and if I would have seen them, it would have been at the end of the careers and not the beginning when they were they were old when they were in the prime. So, I, I'm always a great believer that um, that you should pick people that you've actually seen. So, and that's why I went with uh, Mike England and Ashley Williams to be my two centre backs, um, and Joey Jones at right back, um, Ben Davis at left back. And people were looking at me, Ben Davis. I said, look, this team that we've had that got to the Euros. In time, I think more of them will get in an all-time 11 well side. You know, if you think about it, we were so good with Gareth Bale, with Aaron Ramsey. Do you know, I, I put 
um, Aaron Ramsey and I put Joe Allen in. I think them two players with Ben Davis, I would say the most influential two people out of our team has been Ben Davis and Joe Allen. And I think, you know, we, we you know, we may maybe might have missed Gareth Bale, I would say, four years ago. But I think we could cope with him now. Yeah. Because he's not the same player than what he was. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, we've coped with him right the way through the qualifying stages up until the last couple of games. And then he comes in and makes the difference. You know, he's, he's that added, added bit of quality that we, we really, really need. So, uh, you know, and if you think about it now, Joe Allen's got a chance of playing in the next Euros. Because of you know he picked up an injury, didn't he? Yeah. No. Uh, before these, so you know where there's uh, you know sadness in one way, there's oh bit of fortunate, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, it's it's always interesting to see what people pick, you know, because we've had some really good players, you know. Um, you know, people would say like, well, I think there was a, there was one the other week uh, last week where Ian Rush never got in the side. How we cannot have a player like Ian Rush? in any Welsh side, but it's most probably from somebody that's not seen him play. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's absolutely true, because I had him on my all-time 11 yeah. squad in my last uh, podcast episode. I had, funny enough, I had John Charles and Billy Meredith on there as well. Um, mm. but, but like I said, I think you will always be on my squad 11, and I thank think you. a few other, and a few other people as well. And yeah. uh, I'd just like to say as well, a big thank you for coming on the podcast yeah. to talk about no problem you know, it's been good no oh, no it's been brilliant it is and uh, to talk about you playing for wales uh playing for cardiff uh everton you know just talking about some funny stories and you know and and it's not just football we can talk about anything that's the whole that's the beauty of this yeah. podcast yeah. you know so but again uh i'd like to say thank you so much for coming on the show it really means no problem race it's been good yeah, good questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. I thought they were right. crap. <laughs> oh, they were good, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, thanks, guys, for tuning in on the Dragon's Voice podcast. I've been your host, Reece Deans, and thank you again, Mr. Kevin Ratcliffe, for coming on. And don't worry, it'll be on sometime either this week or next week, because I've only just recently uploaded the Matt Floyd Williams episode, so make sure you tune in on the Deans Boy Show for that. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Take care.